Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things anxiety, big emotions, emotion regulation. I'm still in my back to school success series. I know we're well into school, but I have so many things that can get in the way of kiddos being successful at school. And so anything anxiety related, I'm kind of talking about that. I have a feeling we're going to be going into the new year with all of this stuff. Um, I'm really starting to shift towards some social anxiety. You know, when we look at social anxiety, it's not just about social interactions. I am going to get into that, but it's going to be a little ways before I start getting into the social interaction, social anxiety. Um, so that is definitely coming. I first want to talk about performance-based social anxiety because, you know, we that's part of the social anxiety of being embarrassed in front of other people, performing well, you know, doing presentations in front of everyone. But today specifically, I want to look at perfectionism and perfectionism affects not only just social anxiety. I mean, really, there's perfectionism under everything that I will address. It's so, so important because if we're treating a student with anxiety and to be honest, it's not even anxiety. We could be working with someone who is suffering from depression or has an eating disorder. It could be absolutely any Anything. If there's underlying perfectionism that we're not addressing and not understanding, uh, we might not get very far in our treatment. And so if you're struggling and you're not making any forward motion, I'm always wondering, you know, at the back of my mind, when I do my consultations with people, are you looking at perfectionism here? Is that something that's impeding treatment? Because it's transdiagnostic. I talk about being transdiagnostic all the time, but this for sure is a transdiagnostic factor. It contributes and even maintains whatever struggle a kiddo might be having or an adult's having. So whether it's depression or eating disorder or things like that. We want to make sure that this isn't a contributing factor that's maintaining their challenge. Again, it's not just anxiety. I'm talking about it in anxiety today, but we need to think about it on a broader level. So if we're targeting that perfectionism, oftentimes we might see a huge improvement in whatever the primary diagnosis was in the first place, if it was an eating disorder, anxiety, or depression, or, or whatever else. So that's why we need to wonder about, is perfectionism here? The other reason too, why perfectionism is so important to address, it's because we have seen the steady increase in perfectionism over the years, and especially with our younger generations, right? They are establishing these increasingly extreme standards for themselves. And I'm really seeing this OCD behavior. They're obsessing over things. And a lot of it is from perfection. And perfectionism, I do consider an OCD type of thing, right? We have an obsessive thought about needing to be perfect. And then our behaviors that follow that. So this makes sense, you know, why we're seeing this huge increase. It was certainly a problem before in, in older generations, but we are bombarded all the time with all of these messages, you know, being stronger, being prettier, being faster, being smarter, whatever it is all the time. Now, parents know they're not supposed to compare kids with, with other kids, right? Whether it's siblings or other children and teachers know this, but we send little messages all the time. Hey, kiddo, like even when we're being nice, hey, kiddo. What's your plan with your chores? Your sister already did her chores today. What's your plan? Even just the comment, hey, we're leaving. Your sister did her chores. You can do yours now, right? We're not even trying to compare, but in their minds, it's a comparison. From the time we're born, we've all experienced this. People are correcting us. It's all, oh, we're so cute. But at, once we start walking and talking, 95% of the feedback we're given is corrective feedback. How should we, how we should talk? We're always 
correcting our kids when they're mispronunciating things, how they need to walk, how they need to dress, how they need to eat, how they need to talk to, to us, their tone, how to behave, how to brush their hair, how to brush their teeth, how to make their bed, how to do their dishes, on and on and on it goes. We're always giving them corrective feedback. We're hearing it from parents. We're hearing it from teachers and even other kids too. We're even just like, oh, that's your haircut or, oh, you're wearing that today right? We're hearing these messages all the time. And then that's just compounded with social media. That's perpetuating this need to be perfect in every area. And it goes into adulthood. We're expected to do more work in less time. We're expected to eat healthy, to meditate, to keep up with our physical fitness, to do something creative, right? We have all these shoulds, this huge long list of shoulds. Now it's healthy to set goals, right? It's healthy for us to strive for excellence, all of us are going to experience stress and anxiety in our lives, including our kids. So, you know, we just got to make sure by setting those goals and striving to do our best and managing stress, that's very different than perfectionism. Perfectionism is more excessive. And I'll, and I'll be talking a little bit about that. Now, if you've heard me before, you've probably heard me say that our brains are built to be anxious and depressed, right? So that we're tucked in bed, safe in bed. Because when we're there in bed under our covers, we're not going to get eaten, right? It's usually when we're happy and we're out, we let our guards down and something bad will happen, right? So our brain wants us to be at home in bed, depressed and anxious. So we're all working with this brain that's built to be depressed and anxious. But for perfectionists, trying to do things outside of their comfort zone, trying anything new, meeting new people, taking any risks where success isn't guaranteed, I'm not guaranteed that that person will go out on a date with me. I'm not guaranteed that I'm going to do this sport perfectly or this task perfectly. It's so much more anxiety provoking than others. And so then they're crippled because now they're not even trying, right? And so to protect themselves, it's way easier to avoid the situation or the task in the first place. It's, it's way easier to give up. Maybe we've started, we think we could do it, but it's going sideways. So we may as well just back out now feign sickness, feign uh, 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 injury, right? So we don't make ourselves vulnerable that I tried and failed, right? Or I'm going to try to control the situation so very perfectly with perfectionism. So perfectionists, yes, they have very high expectations for themselves. Usually they have to perform perfectly. There's zero room for errors at all, right? And so these beliefs, they might be their own expectations, you know, that I can't make any mistakes, they become very cutting towards themselves if they do make, make a mistake or they, they're scared that they're going to disappoint somebody else if they're not perfect. And so they're striving to be perfect in somebody else's eyes. They might also have high expectations for others. That can cause a lot of tension in relationships. And I see that all the time, right? Oh, you didn't put the baby's diaper on perfectly. I see that for dads a lot. They're just feeling like I can't get anything right, right? So it could be their own self self-imposed expectations that are too high. It could be though that they've got beliefs that other people have these high expectations for me. And I see this a lot, especially in my teens, where they think their parents and their teachers have these huge unrealistic expectations and they must be perfect. Everything must be perfect. And I'll talk to parents and teachers like, no, what are you talking about? We're so easy going. We don't even care, but the, it doesn't matter because in the kid's head, no, they've got these expectations. They're sending me these messages. I hear them talking to my brother. And again, it's pushed by social media as well. So of course we want our kids to do our best, right? And it can be motivating to do our best when we've got that goal that we're trying to reach. And, 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 and it's normal 
when, when we're working to our full capacity and our full potential, but perfectionism becomes crippling, especially when it keeps people in this sort of never ending state of anxiety. They're worried about making mistakes. And then they're, when they go and do something, they're only focusing on their mistakes. You know, these kiddos, they're, they're so full of self-doubt. Am I going to do as well as I want? Am I going to do as well as other people expect? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I made that mistake, you know? And then they're beating themselves up. They're just every day ridden with this anxiety. So there's a striving. Of course, we want our kiddos to have that striving. But perfectionism, we don't want it to be crippling them so that it's a problem. Because if it is crippling, then that's a problem. We need to address that, right? Especially when it's excessive, when it's unhelpful beliefs, it's rigid beliefs that are causing them to avoid, right? And then they see, we see this sort of perfectionist behaviors. That's a problem. Now, we usually see perfectionism creeping in in elementary years, right? And, and we see how kiddos, they can become entrenched in, in that perfectionism if we're not addressing it. So it was with anything, we want early intervention for sure. We don't want to just say, and I hear parents like, oh, it's actually kind of good, right? Because they're actually doing their best and they're handing in really good work. So we got to be really careful though, at, at, at what cost and how excessive it is it. So we definitely start seeing it emerging in younger years. Um, but I work with so many middle school, junior high, and then high school girls who are just exhausted trying to maintain this perfectionism in all areas of their life usually, right? And we see so many social emotional problems, of course, low self-esteem, but also health problems. They, they start getting sick and a whole host of other challenges in adulthood. So this is definitely something that we need to work on. And again, early intervention is important. So if you're seeing it in younger kids, don't let it keep on going because it is going to take an emotional toll and a physical toll. So again, healthy dose of perfectionism. You know, we've got reasonable expectations where we're trying to do our best, but learning from our mistakes and it's okay if we make mistakes and actually embracing those mistakes. Today, though, I'm really going to talk about the unhealthy perfectionism where those kiddos, they're maintaining a very, very limited range of what's acceptable. And they have these really high unrealistic, or unrealistic expectations that for themselves that they have on themselves or the perceptions that other people have them for themselves. There's no flexibility. They're so very rigid, right? So there's this all or nothing thinking where they are either perfect or they're a complete failure. And that's usually the way it is. It's so black and white, perfect or failure. All their self-worth, and this is a huge thing to consider, all their self-worth is based solely on how well they meet that established outcome, whatever that is, right? And so that's the toxic part of perfectionism. It's not the striving. We all want to be striving. It's good for us to be striving. It's that their worth is completely dependent on their performance. That's the key point that we want to remember when we get into interventions. And I'll be getting into interventions next time, just because, they're, again, this is another really big topic. So I'm breaking it into parts. But that's the piece that we need to focus on. Not the striving per se, but, but their self-worth contingent on that outcome. Because unfortunately, perfectionists, they tend to feel really anxious about doing whatever it is that they need to do. And they don't get any satisfaction from their work, even when they finish it, Right. They don't see that sense of accomplishment when they're done because there's no satisfaction in the process and their self-esteem, it's completely dependent on how well they do. And so there's no room for making mistakes because otherwise I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I suck. So these perfectionist students, unfortunately, they tend to avoid things that they don't think that they can do perfectly or they're overly cautious or overly thorough. 
are always redoing, redoing, redoing everything. It's just so time consuming, right? They're up for hours into the night. Now it's disrupting sleep, trying to get things perfectly. They also tend to be overactive, right? Um, in, in terms of, or not overactive, overreactive in their responses to things. They have a big temper tantrum, a big meltdown over the tiniest little mistake. And if you give any corrective feedback, it's wah, right? They just explosion or just upset. Uh, a lot of kiddos will procrastinate. So maybe it's to avoid or maybe just giving up really easily, right? Way easier, like I said, to give up and avoid than to try to finish it and make ourselves vulnerable by doing our best and then failing. And then therefore we're a failure. Uh, oftentimes, again, any feedback, they're really sensitive. Even when we're just trying to help, it's not even trying to fix a mistake. We're just trying to help. Hey, kiddo, you know, looks like you're struggling, ah, right? Um, not being able to make decisions very easily. Prioritizing is really hard. They don't have time for fun, anything pleasurable. And then they don't find anything pleasurable in anything that they do because everything, it's got to be perfect. So they're just riddled with that anxiety. So these are all things that we can work on when we're looking at skills and intervention. Where are they struggling? Because perfectionism gets in the way of life. And those kids are losing out on opportunities just to be kids, to be playful, right? To enjoy life. And it sucks when I see a grade one, grade two student, even a grade 12 student who's not having fun or enjoying life. They're so focused on perfectionism. Now, I do want to quickly identify a few different areas where we see that perfectionism show up because we think of easily, we can think of the kiddo who colors outside the lines and then it's a big, oh my gosh, I got to crumple it up and start again. It's garbage. I made a mistake. I'm terrible at this because they had like, you needed a microscope to be able to go or a magnifying glass to go and look at where they came out of the lines, right? Or the kid who's erasing, erasing, erasing everything. So yes, there's certainly those perfectionists at school. They're spending far too much time, you know, trying to do their homework perfectly or, or whatever that task is. And then they're just getting really upset if they get anything less than an A plus, right? But that's not the only place. So we got to look at, at other areas in our life too. Do you have a kiddo who's got to organize things and order things? Everything's got to be perfect. Everything has to be folded the exact right way. I remember as a kid, and I would say I'm probably a perfectionist to a fault, but I get upset if people messed with my bookshelf because I had books. I've always had big bookshelves with books. And actually, I guess maybe I'm, I'm a little bit better, but well, yeah, they're not perfect. When I was a kid though, you can see like these books, they had to be, I, so every little cubby would be, um, authored, right? So it was either alphabetized or by authors or by kind of like here's my choose your own adventure books. Here's my Stephen King books. Here's my whatever. But I would have to have them from tallest to shortest. You can see here that I don't have them from tallest there. So I've eased up a little bit, but I would freak out if anybody messed with my books and they weren't exactly that way. And the other thing is I had to have them pushed all the way up to the very front. So they had to be in line with the shelf at the front of the bookshelf. Um, now there is a little bit of a gap. There is about an inch and not all of them are perfectly lined up. The spines aren't perfectly lined up. But when I was a kid, that was a big deal. I tried to keep it going once I had kids, but I knew I had to give it up to just for my own sanity because my girls would put books in, you know, little toddlers 
back, like the spine, it's not the spine that's out. It was just the loose pages that were out and upside down and some were shoved out back, way back and some were in and some fell in the back. Like I just couldn't keep it up for my own uh, sanity. So, so organizing, having things, but tidiness too. And I can tell you, I have a lot of kids who do have some OCD type perfectionist behaviors. And I, and I've got a lot of teenagers, um, whether they're middle school or high school, who will spend hours into the night, just cleaning and reorganizing their room. Right. Because it's just there, there's just so much anxiety and perfectionism around it. So, and I have a lot of adults too, where I'm working on just, they're spending all their time cleaning and they can't go to bed knowing that there's one dirty dish in the sink. Right. But it's not even just um, tidiness and cleanliness. It, it can even be how things look. So many families that I work with, and even if they're not perfectionists themselves, I'm, I'm asking about different things that they do. I have so many families, and, and maybe you know a family, maybe you are this family, where they have a Christmas tree, for example, for, for those that celebrate Christmas. They'll have a kitty Christmas tree tucked in a, a room where no one really spends a lot of time, but then the nice, beautiful, perfect Christmas tree is in the main living room area, right? Or they're just going back and, and fixing and adjusting things because it has to look perfect. It has to be really nice though. Even if it's not parents who are perfectionists, those little messages can be very influential on our kids. And I talk a lot about how our words and our actions are very influential on our kids. And I have so many teens right now too, um, who are very perfectionistic about how they look. I'm working a lot with girls, but I'm sure there's males out there too. Um, you know, if a single hair is out of place, oh my gosh, it's a big meltdown. I just got to, you know, I got to make it perfect. It's or more my whole mess. My whole hair is a mess. I just got to take it out and start again. Cause there's one little hair out of place, right? That can cause a meltdown or even just a fight, especially if mom is doing the hair. And now there's a tiny little bump that you can't even see, but the kid can feel it. It's not perfect. Or their clothes need to look exactly right. And, and the colors need to be exactly coordinated. Their makeup, everything, they just have to look perfect before they can get out of the house. That's a sign. So even, so mom's out there, if you've got a little girl that you're doing their hair and then, ah, whatever, I'm going to do it myself. I've got one of those. We're looking at some perfectionism here. I've got some girls who need to speak perfectly. I've I've had several of my teens, and again, it's a lot of my female teens. I'm sure though, like it, it comes up in other ways, but just knowing not just about their looks, but enunciating very clearly, speaking very clearly, and girls who will profusely apologize for saying something that they think they messed up in their head. Or if they had a moment of saying, uh, oh, no, I can't say, um, right. Um, I say stuff all the time. Like I, I'll say sand sanitizer. I do that all the time, but for them, that's, <gasps> I can't do that. That's awful. You know, I I'm, I'm a very poor speaker if I'm not clearly enunciating everything. So it can come out in lots of different ways. OCD. It looks a lot like OCD. Oftentimes fear of getting sick, fear of getting germs. We think of OCD, but oftentimes it's this underlying perfectionism. And that's why it's so important to look at this. So we see lots of cleaning, lots of washing, hand washing. My hands need to be perfectly clean and manicured. Um, some we see excessive um, exercising, compulsive exercising or eating disorders. Everything has to be perfect for a healthy lifestyle to be perfect 
perfectly healthy, right? And so a lot of health anxiety can be wrapped up in this. I'm checking, checking, checking every sign, every symptom. And again, a lot of my teens, I see so much overlap between this physical appearance that needs to be perfect, but also this ex excessive fear about health. And so they're avoid, um, they're avoiding anything where they have to touch anything, right? Or they're washing and washing and washing. And, and it's funny, when we wash excessively, we're actually killing healthy germs. We're probably making ourselves, well, we are, there's research showing this, we make ourselves more vulnerable to getting sick. And so that's where we see this sort of excessiveness where it's 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 interfering with our success and our health. That actually reminds me of uh, Young Sheldon. If you haven't watched that, I love Young Sheldon. It's just a nice show me and my girls can watch, but he wears mitts at the dinner table. So the family is around the dinner table and they all say grace and they're holding hands, but he's worried about getting germs, especially from his brother, but even his dad. I don't know if you've washed your hands and I'm not going to eat my food, even though he doesn't ever eat with his hands. He's always using utensils. He's got to wear those mitts at the dinner table, right? Worried about getting germs and then eating. And so we can see some of these things. It's easy for us to assume OCD, but we got to consider that perfectionist piece. And that's why I really wanted to, to, to talk about this. So let's go into causes. If you know me and you've heard me talk about it, I don't really care about what causes it because it doesn't really tell us a whole lot in terms of interventions. Genetics aren't going to be helpful. Okay, you were born this way, right? It's really about the environment. Anything when we talk about anxiety, okay, yes, there are the genetics. We can acknowledge that, but that's not, we can't change genetics in terms of our treatment and intervention. It's really about the environment, right? So let's not worry about those biological influences that can be really harming if kids are hearing, oh, well, I was a perfectionist. They come by it honestly, because then they're gonna feel helpless. There's nothing that I can do. It's in my blood, I can't change. Yes, you can. And so that's why we got to focus. So that's why we're focusing instead, not on those kind of causes, but what's contributing to the perfectionism. And even more importantly, what's maintaining that that, that perfectionism. Um, certainly modeling from other important adults in our life, parents, teachers, even other kids, right? Um, we can go from controlling parents, right? So who just controlling, everything has to be absolutely perfect and you absolutely have to get these six things done before you can get to school and they have to be tickety-boo, right? So there are that controlling parents. Certainly the societal messages that we're bombarded with, even the way the education system is set up. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about this, but we focus so much on achievement. That's enough to create a perfectionist out of any student, really. So let's look at the role models because these perfectionists usually have other perfectionists in their life. Are their parents flexible or are they quite rigid? Can parents make mistakes and laugh about it and talk about it and model to their kids what they're learning from their mistakes or do they beat themselves up, right? Oh, I'm so stupid. I ask parents about these messages that they send. There's big ticket ones, of course, right? Big ticket expectations. You have to maintain a minimum 85% average, right? Very explicit expectations of being the best at everything, never being good enough. Those are, you know, on the one end, but there's really subtle messages too. Um, an example that I always think about, I was making a big holiday meal and all the family was there and I was making the turkey and I was making the stuffing and people asked if they, you know, if I needed help, I'm like, no, I got it all under control, right? Another perfectionist thing, another skill being able to ask for help, but I had it all under control and sure enough, I burnt something and I'm like, ah, and I got mad at myself. And I think I might've even said, I'm so stupid because I wasn't paying attention to the one thing because I was focusing on the 20 other things that I was doing. 
that has such a huge influence because if, you know, kids will see that and they'll say, oh, mom's getting mad at herself. She called herself stupid because she made a mistake. So therefore mom must think that people are stupid or failures or that she'll get mad if people make a mistake. So therefore I must not make a mistake. So little things, right? We really got to think about what is it that we're modeling? So I'm asking parents, for example, all the time, do you let your kids help decorate a cake or the tree or the cupcakes or set up the house? But then you go back around and you touch things up. Oh, look, there's a little bit of icing dripping here. I'm just going to fix it up, right? Or fixing things on their science project, jumping in on their work, rewiping the spot on the counter that, that they missed wiping. Those are all little messages that can contribute and maintain this perfectionism. And so I bite my tongue. I've learned real fast to bite my tongue. You know, did you vacuum? Because like this whole section, hmm? Hey kiddo, thanks. You you got you grabbed the vacuuming today, right? Awesome. Thanks so much. I love it. Right. So it, I've learned and it's hard. I, I know how hard it is, but I've learned over the years. Um, so again, I'm always saying our words, our actions are very influential on our kids. Sometimes we're explicitly and and you know, we can be thought mindful about those types of things, but sometimes it's really subtle, right? Even things like we're always encouraging our kiddos to do their best, but for an anxious perfectionist. And those are the ones that, you know, we're probably really trying to convince it's okay. Don't worry about a mistake. Just do your best. Those words are so influential, right? It's okay. If you make a mistake, do your best. It's a problem, especially for these perfectionist kiddos, because it becomes so much of an obsession for these kiddos where their best is never enough. And so we, even those types of things, when we're trying to convince them, it's okay to make mistakes and just do your best. It's never enough. They need to be flawless. So we got to be careful, right? Again, with one child, we might say, hey, just do your best, go have fun. But for our anxious perfectionist kiddo, those messages actually worsens it. So we really need to know what's going on for our kids. Um, sometimes though, so there's the really controlling parent, everything needs to be tickety-boo. Sometimes it's, you know, well-intentioned, not controlling. They're, they're doing everything that we would want them to be doing, have a good relationship, but these subtle messages are being dropped in. On the other side, though, sometimes we've got these really disorganized, completely absent-minded sort of parents that can instill perfectionism too. If there's just so much chaos in the house, kids just want order. They just want control. So these anxious kids just develop perfectionism just to maintain some order in the house too. Um, but even thinking about the behavior plans, we are we we have built the society about quick fixes and rewards, right? And and I think that that's important for us to think about. So we put we're always giving our kids rewards, or we doling out punishments, right? So what is it that we reward? Well, as a society, school, we reward high high grades, getting into university. It's based on grades. We reward beauty. We know there's research out there. The more attractive you are, the more likely you're going to get the job. So at an interview, we want to look our best. We have to have our hair nicely done, very well groomed, wear the perfect outfit to get a date. We have to be our perfect best as possible to get that date. And again, we're bombarded with so many messages about beauty in the media, right? And, and I think we take things for granted. We're quick, whether we're parents or teachers or even an employer with adults, we highlight mistakes, areas that aren't working, behaviors that are out of line of our expectations, right? 
we need to be consciously told and we need to be very intentional about catching people doing good work or being good. Calling out mistakes is very natural for our brain. And so that's what we often do. So we have to really work at calling out the good, but that's just how it's set up. And so we're reinforcing these points about perfection. You know, I remember as a kid spelling, it was the spelling and the mad minutes. Those were the two things. If you got perfect, you got a star up on the wall, hundred percent. Nobody else got any acknowledgement, right? So we got to think about those things. Um, so we've got the rewards on the one side, but what about punishment? We're usually punished for making mistakes. We call kids out if they've made a mess, if they don't do something that we've asked them to do. A poor grade, that's pretty punishing. And I see a lot of kids, they don't want to, you know, they're asking, hey, what did you get? Even my daughter just the other day, what did you get on the science test, right? There's a lot of anxiety about that. And if I don't think I did very well, that can be very punishing. Not getting a job, it's punishing. Being laughed at, saying something stupid, mixing up your words. I always say that I'm verbally dyslexic because I will say things. I mean, the one that is just easiest for me to consciously think about is the sand sanitizer, but I do that all the time. And so maybe they're being laughed at. I mean, my kids are always constantly laughing at me because I'm always mixing up my word, but those small, small messages can be so influential on, on the perfectionist person. So I think for right now, I, I really want to focus on this idea of what are some of the things that are contributing to and maintaining perfection? That's our first step is bringing awareness to that. Because yes, we can work with the child or with the student or even the adult on perfectionism, but we also need to consider those environmental pieces first. And so that's always the first area that I'm going to before we get into treatment. So next time I'm going to get into the, what are we going to do about this perfectionism piece, but that's the first step. And that's the piece that I'm going to encourage you. If you're a mental health uh, professional or an educator, or even a parent, let's look at what are the messages that my kiddo is receiving, or this student is receiving, because we're going to want to make some big changes because just expecting them to change their perfectionist ways, but then we're throwing them back into this environment. It's not going to be helpful. And if there's nothing we can change about that, I mean, I can't change social media. There are big shifts. We are seeing it, but it's got a long way to go still. So maybe there's some education around that, but we just need to know what are some of those contributing factors and what are some things that we can be changing. And, and I'll be talking about some of those things as well in, in the next episode. So I will leave it there for today. Thank you for joining me. Go help those kiddos be bold and courageous. And I will see you next week when I talk about what do we do with this perfectionism? Take care.